Boondog Podcast. Boondog Stories. Read by the Boondog. The Boondog Podcast. Here we go. The last episode of Series 1. That's Season 1 for my American listeners. And it's it's a Wednesday. When you'll be hearing this, it might be a Thursday. You're hearing it the day it comes out. But it could also be a Friday or any of the other days of the week. Because that is the beauty of podcasting. It's not like radio. You can listen to it whenever you want. Do I have to explain the concepts every week? Perhaps. People might dive in at episode 6. So if you're a new listener, uh, well, basically, I found a book. It was, well, you know it's been pretty sunny this week. Um, well, you might not know that because you are in the future. Uh, so it's been pretty hot. And so I was out in the garden um, sitting on a rug wearing my white linen trousers because I uh, I only brought one pair of trousers home with me. Uh because I thought I'd be back for, well, I packed enough for a, a long weekend, basically, but I've been back home with the parents for a, a month now because of lockdown. So I'm just wearing whatever I can find. And I found a pair of nice white linen trousers. I mean, they are mine. Um, I do quite like wearing them. But anyway, I was sat sat out in the garden on a rug wearing my white linen trousers. And from the heavens fell a book and on the front of the book it said the boondoggle and in the book uh there's like there's a load of stories like quite short stories some longer than others and some more exciting than others um but we as this is the last episode of the series we are coming to the end of that book um for if well hopefully before series two i'll find another book um also called the Boondoggle. Uh, I just have to look for part two because it seems that there should be a part two because some of these adventures are been left unfinished. But you know that's by the by. But anyway, the book fell from the sky and it was um, it landed on my lap, um, and well, it it could have come from a passing helicopter. Could have thrown it out their window or. A bird might have picked it up from far away and then it found it was too heavy by the time it got over my garden and um, and then it landed on me. But you never know. Uh, so anyway, I've come into the... F- I've been very fortunate to come into the hands of this book. And um, I, mean, I haven't come into the hands of this book. This book has come into my hands and I've been very fortunate because it's been given... It's, well, it's given me hours of podcast delight and you too and as i have seen myself as a conduit for this these stories and the stories are called the boondoggle i have christened myself the boondog all right so this is the boondoggle stories read by the boondog do i have any news lockdown analysis i guess um we're on week 5 now and when you look at it the long term, it can seem pretty daunting um, because people say, I mean, we might not be going to pubs until next year. It has become a bit daunting thinking about, I've been listening to like a 
lot of mixes and I just think, oh, missing the club, missing the club and the pub. But that is, I guess that's a sacrifice we've got to make. Um, some are making bigger sacrifices than others, but I am sacrificing the life in the pub and the club. You know, we all do our bit. I guess we should crack on with uh, the first story this week. So, since it's the series finale, and, you know, the main... We've heard from Angus, Iron Deficiency Man, every week now. And so since it's the season finale, I think... Well, I think the, the or whoever wrote the boondoggle has written an extra long story this week. So I'll, I'll split it in two. Um... Because, you know, although we do love Iron Deficiency Man, you need to split it up sometimes. And we'll, So we'll only have two stories this week, but one is extra long. So it'll be the first half of Iron Deficiency Man, and then another one, which I will reveal later. And then we'll conclude with the finale of Iron Deficiency Man and see where he ends up in his life. So, here we go. <laughs> The Power of Iron. This story is called The Man Who Built His House on Iron. I'll just quickly summarise what happened, what's happened so far. I'll summarise from the start, alright, so just in case people have dived in now. So, Angus, he was diagnosed with iron deficiency disorder. I don't know if that's a real condition. I didn't write the book, so, alright? So he was diagnosed with being iron deficient, and so he he got some pills for iron deficiency, but he took a few too many and realised the wonders they can do for his quickness of thought, his energy levels, and his libido. But it turned him into a bit of an asshole, and he tried to start solving crime, and then realised that that wasn't giving him the excitement he wanted. So... His girlfriend Jessica kicked him out of the house because he was just being nothing but trouble. And then, and then he, um, yeah, and then he ended up getting a job at the iron factory. And then what happened? Well, he, he met a guy called Old Wrinkles uh, who lives in the basement of the iron factory on the factory floor where he would work. And so, because Jessica had kicked him out of the house, he started living with Old Wrinkles. And then uh, Angus, well. What's happened now is Angus has uh, he's had it out with Mr Higginbottom and he may have got himself a job at the Iron Factory at the top level. Um, just that's where we are. So this story is called The Man Who Built His House on Iron. The Power of Iron. Angus, due to the utmost care you take for this company and its practices, your impressive sales record and your clear devotion to the product, we have decided to appoint you as Chief Executive Officer of Iron Pills Incorporated. Sarah Bogsworth, the head of the board, delivered the news. The rest of the directors sat in a semicircle with Angus stood in the middle. They all nodded their heads in unison. Oh, that was never my intention when it, when I exposed Mr Higginbottom's ways. I simply wanted to bring about the best for the iron. 
company we work at, said Angus. Given your quick wit and high energy, not to mention your high libido, we believe you are the one to take this business to the top. Now where do we send the official documentation to? Address? Ah, uh, just, just put it here. Iron Pills, Inc. My heart is here and therefore it is my home. Angus, we can't do that. We need a real address. So he gave them Jessica's address and thought nothing more of it. That evening, he returned to the factory floor to collect his things. It was cold and grotty and it certainly wasn't the place a big shot CEO would sleep. He had an office now with a carpet and everything. Far more comfier to sleep on. Hearing him enter, old wrinkles crawled out from his messy little corner. Congratulations on your new position, Angus. You have learned well the power of iron. Angus gathered together his bags and cardboard box. I am the power of iron, old wrinkles. I had nothing to learn. You seem to be forgetting where you came from. What I taught you. Every step of the way, I have helped you achieve greatness. Old wrinkles, you're a whiny little prick, and I'll have nothing more to do with you. You need me, or you will become a slave to the iron. You filthy little bastard. You shriveled ball bag. You greasy, creasy man. You could never mix with the people at the top. You stay in your corner where you belong. You're lucky I don't tell management about your squatting situation down here. How else am I supposed to go to the toilet? Angus stared at him with disgust. I will not beg you for a promotion. I have been alive far too long to stoop to that level. Soon enough, you will learn. Oh, piss off. I'll tell you what kind of iron you need. An iron on your face. He marched out of the factory floor and left his old life behind. As usual with Angus, he settled into his new role very quickly. He sat in his big leather chair in front of his giant computer screen and looked at spreadsheets and emails most of the day. After each reply, he would grin to himself, knowing the impact his emails could have on the iron industry. One of his new initiatives was to have a pot of 60 iron pills sent to his office every lunchtime. A businessman must know his business, was his excuse. Obviously, he just wanted to get his four iron pills a day to stay on top of his game. But with old wrinkles out of the picture, his willpower began to slip, and soon enough, he was scoffing a pot a day. Old wrinkles hadn't seen a mirror in a while, so he was struck by Angus's comments. He knew he wasn't David Hasselhoff, but he didn't think he was that bad. He stared at a metal pole to catch a glimpse of his reflection. It was rusty and battered, and the pole wasn't in great shape either. Not long after Angus left, a new member joined the team. The rotation of staff at the factory was swift, so old rinks didn't tend to notice everyone, but this one was different. For starters, she was a woman. I don't know if you've heard about factory floors in iron production plants, but they are very male-orientated workplaces and not enough is being done to correct this. Anyway, what was more noticeable was that she was making inquiries about Angus. Ooh, I hear there's been a promotion recently. 
That'd be nice, wouldn't it? He heard her say. Do you know what the guy that got that promotion was like? Do you think I could get to see him? Nobody replied to her though. They just put the regulation 60 pills in the pot and carried on about their business. Old Wrinkles shuffled over and made himself known. I heard your inquiries and I noticed a glint in your eye. A glint of hope. Oh, you know Angus. I once knew him. But he is not the man I once knew now, I know. Aye, and I did too. You must be Jessica. And you must be Old Wrinkles. How did you know my name? Oh, I didn't. I was just describing you. Ah, I see. We were once madly in love. But this iron, oh, it's given us no but grief. He's not beyond saving. He's truly not. He just needs patience. A lackey in a shirt and tie poked his head round the door and called out, What of pills for the boss? The workers fumbled for their nearest pot and tried to deliver it to the hand of the lackey. They knew not to delay, for the boss had been known to fire people on a whim. Jessica, I'm glad you have come to me. Many a man wouldn't have helped Angus after the way he has treated me. Many a man would have reported him to the authorities and had him locked up. Many a man would have... Hold on, I've got a plan. I too have a plan. That pot is his iron supply. If we change that, he'll grow weak and we can bring him back to normal. Limiting his supply is beyond us now. He must go. Cold turkey. What was your plan? Oh, it, it, it doesn't matter. Let's do yours. Very well. We must swap the iron. Since I haven't left this place for 30 years, I have no other pills to swap with. Oh, nay bother. I have the pill. What pill is that? Oh, the, the pill. You're going to have to be more specific. The pill! For if you don't want to have kids! Ah, the baby blocker! Funny little things. Are you not in need of them yourself? Oh no, I haven't seen a stiffy since Angus pissed off. And I get awful mood swings when I... And I get awful mood swings when I'm on them. Could do without them if I'm honest. Very well, 60 of them and we'll have a pot ready for the man upstairs. Well, well I'm going to leave it and on a cliffhanger there. Give us a break to let that one sink in. Because, uh, well, Old Wrinkles and Jessica have teamed up. I mean, we kind of, we knew they would, didn't we? They, they've both got, well now, Old Wrinkles... He thought they were they thought they were great mates. Old Wrinkles did a lot for Angus. He well, he helped him achieve greatness. To be honest, um, he's almost like the uh, Jesse Pinkman of the Breaking Bad story, is he? Um, but so now Jessica and uh, yeah, Jessica and Old Wrinkles are teaming up. Um, well, she we I mean that is the it's the classic hero's journey isn't it they have to team up and work with people they wouldn't usually work with to achieve the goal they really want 
And so I've heard a lot of things about these um, contraceptive pills. I've heard they do give you awful mood swings. So I, well, I know that they're going to have a big impact on Angus. I can see that happening now. And, you know, he's an asshole as it is. And without mood swings, blimey. We know, who knows what's going to happen to him. So it's, I guess it's too, it's too early to assess a moral, actually, it's not too early to assess a moral of the story. Let's give it a go. The moral of the story so far is you talk to everyone around you, talk to, because they might have the things, Eve's, talk to everyone around you, because they might have the things you want to help, um, to help yourself. And listen to the conversations that everyone else is having because they might be talking about something that you could help with. So talk and listen. Uh, two great pieces of advice. Thank you, whoever wrote the boondoggle. We're not worthy of your stories. If anyone's, on a side note, if anyone from the big podcast conglomerates, you know, your Raycasts, your global radios, uh, Stitcher, you know, if any of them are listening, I, uh, just contact me on uh, the Boondog on Instagram. Um, I'll set up the other socials in, in the time being, but, you know, if you've got a big, big money deal for me, then um, I'm all ears. Anyway. Back to the podcast. Let us proceed with story two. Oh, and we're back with our Wild West friends, Dorothy Crocker and Randall Mulligan. And this story is called The Last Dance. The Wild Wild West and a nice place to be Falls into a family Randall, Clark and Dorothy Died together by airplane matrimony Previously in the Wild West As I said before, it's a classic odd couple story Dorothy, the wacky one You know, she just wants fun, she wants laughter She's a crazy... She's got a screw loose, alright? Um, we don't know what's happened to make her this way But she's pretty crazy and she's an outlaw and um she has been paired up with uh Randall Mulligan despite neither of them wanting to be together Randall Mulligan is an ex sheriff now outlaw uh, he's had a difficult childhood as well but he's more much more morose much more grumpy you could say a serious man um and but he's taken it upon himself to look after this kid called Clerk who is being chased by Wiley Harry Langdale because Clerk, well, he thinks Clerk has these um, like powers to find gold, uh, but really it's just a skin condition, I think. Um, so, yeah, they've been paired together. And then what happened last week? They, yeah, they stole some milk from a, a baby a cow. No, they stole some milk from a, a mummy cow. And um, Randy wasn't too happy about when he found out how cows, how baby, well, how cows constantly have milk. So 
that has what that's what happened so far. And let's continue in the last dance. Where are we even going? said Dorothy. We're outlaws, Dorothy. We don't go anywhere. We survive. God damn it. They trotted along side by side while their horses made flirty looks to one another. Oh boy, I know the life of an outlaw. We have adventures, get into scrapes and that kind of stuff. This life with you and the babies just swiping his stinky bottom and stealing milk. You should have seen me before our two horses began this unfortunate affair. I was wild. The stories I could tell you. Not in front of clerk, please. This is the problem. I'm stuck with you two losers. I can't even see shit. Dorothy, this child has been forsaken. Give it the best chance of a respectable living, please. That's it. I'm leaving you and the baby. Maybe it's best you leave then. That's what I said. I'm leaving. You can keep the horse. Stop a little good-for-nothing animal anyway. Horse love is no more real than human love anyway. Randall looked to Clerk and whispered, So real. She jumped off her horse and began marching off, when in the distance she saw a coach pulled by two dark horses. That coach don't look a pretty sight. No, indeed it don't, she said to Randy. Dear God, this godless town. That's Wiley Harry Langdale. We got ahead. Dorothy jumped back on her horse and they galloped away towards the nearest town. In the distance, they could hear the screams of Harry. I got you now, you baby thieves! They made it to the town of Dodge City, making some distance away from wily Harry Langdale. On the outskirts was the town hall. Milling about outside was a throng of people, surprisingly dressed like ragamuffins, unusual since their faces shone like porcelain. We carry on like this, and we'll be outrunning him forever. And what with our horses' vigorous humping of one another, I don't think they have the energy. And that mare's ball sure does look interesting. Seems like it's been taken over by outlaws, just like us. We're had to do. I guess you're right. Let's hide him here. They tied their horses behind the town hall and immersed themselves in the crowd. Dorothy, Randall and Clerk inserted within Randall's top. The crowd were talking awfully strange. Oh, I've had a lot of trouble in my life and all that kind of thing, said one. Ain't we all, fella? It's a God-forsaken life, said Randy, putting his arm on his shoulder. The man leaned into Randy and said, I love what you've done here. Very realistic. You sound like a real outlaw. I am an outlaw. Yes, yes, of course. Me too, me too. For God's sake, partner. Randy gave him a suspicious look and shuffled away to find Dorothy. Something strange going on in this barn dance. They look like us, but they sure as hell don't sound like us. Don't I know it? If I know these highfalutin kind of people, and I'll be damned if I don't, then I believe this is some sort of costume party. Randall looked down at his outfit, a tattered waistcoat, a scruffy open neck shirt and filthy trousers. This ain't no costume. Ain't no doubt about that. It's all we can afford. And together they said, 
Cause we're outlaws, baby. But that's the wealthy folk for you. Now let's mix and mingle like single Pringles. What's a Pringle? I have no idea. A man stood up on the steps to the town hall and called out to the crowd. He had painted on a big moustache with grease and wore a shirt with sleeves cut off at the elbows. Hi to everybody. My oh my, what a fine evening we have here. The moon is bright, ain't your delight, and there's some fine looking outfits I see out there. Don't think I haven't noticed you, Deirdre. Ain't you a rhinestone cowgirl? Now it's that time again. I know you all been waiting for it. It's the 123rd annual barn dance. So find yourself a partner and get on down. No partner, no entry. Them's the rules. I tell you, I do, I do, I do. Randall looked at Dorothy sheepishly. Let's find somewhere else. Somewhere else? What are you talking about? While a Harry Langdale will be coming down that road in no time at all. He looked at the floor now. I can't dance. You can't dance? Oh boy, is there anything you can do? I'm a goddamn outlaw. So am I, Randy, but I've been around a bit. More to life than eating and shitting. Ain't that the truth? I've jigged my way across the wild west. The crowd was standing out and the sound of a coach was getting louder. Randall was torn. Come on, Randy. I'll teach you. She grabbed him by the hand and pulled him into the mare's ball just before their great nemesis sped on by. The band started playing and the host shouted out, Swing your partner Rand and Rand! With Clerk still tucked inside Randy's shirt, Dorothy pulled him close and swung Randall round. He obediently followed. Looking a bit stiff there, Randy. He looked down at his crotch. You're dancing, honey. Loosen up. Nothing to be ashamed about as long as you get on down to it. They faced opposite one another and kicked their opposite heels together. Slowly, Randall began to feel the rhythm. Now if you get yourself a tap on the shoulder, that's a shame, isn't it? Off the dance floor you go, called the host. Randy, we gotta stay in this competition. Wily Harry pokes his head through that door, why, he'll see us sitting out there like on the loser's bench, said Dorothy. I'm doing my best. He followed Dorothy's every move. Gradually, the crowd fell away in his mind. It was like he was dancing in his bedroom. He swung his arms, swung his legs, and swung his partner round and round. For the first time in a long time, the world didn't seem so godforsaken. But trouble wasn't over yet. They were one of only three couples left when Dorothy looked over her shoulder to see wily Harry Langdale poking his big fat head through the door. She returned her eyes to Randy. Keep dancing, honey. We're going to win this thing. Harry's eyes paused on them for a second. Yeah, that looks a little something like that the Sheriff Mulligan. But swinging his partner round and round. Now that sure ain't like something that Sheriff would do now, would it? Not with such ease of movement and jaw on his face as that there man do right there. I guess I'll leave them be then and he retreated from the room. And now we're down to two couples, called the host. 
that sweet, I may I say, real authentic looking couple of outlaws on my right. And this couple down here on my left. You keep on dancing and wait for that terrible tab right there on your shoulder. Randy continued in his own little world, feeling the banjo running through his soul, and no tap on the shoulder ever came. Randy, oh Randy, I think we might have just won this old dance, Dorothy said. His feet came to a stop and he looked up to the host. Congratulations, you two fine-looking pair. Once the festivities had subsided, they creeped off back to their horses. Time for you to get on your way then, said Randall. You know what, Randy? I suppose I could spend another day or two with you couple of knuckleheads, she said. Then they both jumped aboard their horses and trotted out of town. Wow, a real romantic one, that one. I guess, um, I guess Randall does know how to good, have a good time. He's not so serious and morose, after all. If you, you know, if you're with the right person. I mean, Dorothy, she's a real charismatic woman, you know. I wouldn't mind having a little dance with Dorothy, if I do say so myself. And, uh, yeah, so the moral of that one, the moral of that one's easy, I guess. Just let your hair down, have a good time, and, um, you know, I mean, there's the classic cliche, dance like nobody's watching, um, which Randy did kind of become doing, if he... Lucky for him, dancing like nobody's watching was a good thing because he could feel the banjo, the rhythm in his soul. But, I mean, for most people, dancing like nobody's watching isn't going to win you any competitions. It's going to get you kicked out of the dance floor. Um, But lucky for... I mean, Randy's got a great teacher in Dorothy. She's just a fun-loving girl. And... um, so the moral, yeah, if you dance really well, then you won't get caught by the bad guys. That's another moral, one for Aesop. Again, Acast, if you're listening, gives a deal. I mean, it's it's nice being a nice independent podcast, got no one on your back and all of that, but the money's not great. Um, so, yeah, swings and roundabouts, you know. It's some. I mean, between season one and two, I may have to make that decision as to whether I want I want to be run like a a, a servant to the big the big dogs, or if I want to keep going things alone, keep my integrity, keep my independence. But for now, I don't have to make that decision because as of yet, uh, no major podcast company has approached me for a deal. Um, but yeah, my ears are. My ears are out. Also, the if the Albert Hall want me to do a live show, ears are out for that. Shall we carry on with the third story of the? Well, not the third story. Uh, the second, the second half of Iron Deficiency Man. The second half of the man who built his house on iron. <laughs> The Power of Iron 
So where were we? We were... So Jessica had put 60 of her contraceptive pills in the pot that uh, to give to Angus. That is lunchtime, uh, lunchtime check of the pills. So let's carry on. A day later, Sarah Bogsworth knocked at the door to Angus's office. There came no reply. Another knock. Nothing. She tentatively inched the door open and poked her head in. We've got a few questions about... Get out! Get out! called Angus. He was sat at his desk with his face buried in a pile of pills. Excuse me, Angus. That is not how you should be speaking to the head of the board of directors. Bogsworth, you... These bloody pills don't work. They don't bloody work. I'm weak. I'm falling apart and I can't control it. What are you talking about? Why are you taking the product? A businessman must know his business, Bogsworth. Did you not go to business school or did you simply fart your way into my board of directors? The board will certainly be hearing about this behaviour. The bomb is only behaving about behaviour. Angus impersonated her. She slammed the door and stormed off. Angus burst into tears, damping, dampening the stash of contraceptive pills in front of him. My thoughts are slowing. My energy is depleting. And my libido? That's long gone. What have I done? He gobbled a few more from the stash of pills in front of him and washed them down with a glass of water. Jessica lingered after work that night, hiding in Old Wrinkle's messy little corner. They really need to improve the security in Iron Pills, Inc. Once the lights were out, they carried out the rest of the plan. They'll only be lacking iron until tomorrow lunchtime. Oh no, this is Jessica who says that. He'll only be lacking iron until tomorrow lunchtime. I haven't got no more pills to give him. I see, I see. Then you must move quick, Jessica. You're not coming with me. Oh, those days are long gone. I'm simply a withered old scrotum now. Ah, no. And she patted him on the head. Good luck then. Jessica creeped off out of the factory door and headed upstairs. She made her way past the admin floor and acted up to Angus's office at the top. Seriously? There was no security. It's surprising it hasn't been a victim of a proper heist, rather than this long-winded and very difficult intervention. She peeked her head through the window in the door. Angus still remained, whimpering in the pile of pills. However, it was more of a smattering now, for he had gobbled a fair amount. She quietly pushed the door open and stepped inside, Angus still unaware. My love, you will be okay. Iron Man? No. Jessica? He looked up to see her standing tentatively, the other side of his desk. Oh, Jessica, I can't believe you came to save me. I need more iron. I'm weak. I'm dying. I think this might be the end. She made her way around his desk and embraced him with the warmth of an oven. Oh, don't be silly. It's just your hormones playing up. She slipped a couple of cable ties from her back pocket and clipped his arms to the chair. My love, what are you doing? I'm saving you, Angus, from the terrible life of iron. 
you have been taking the pill since lunchtime. What pill? The pill. You're going to have to be more specific. So I don't have babies. Ah, baby blockers. Old wrinkles and me used to laugh about them all the time. Have you met old wrinkles? Angles was getting delirious now. Yes, my dear. I think it best if you have a little sleep now. With that, Angus's energy went completely and he passed out in the chair. Angus woke up in the boot of Jessica's car, his arms still tied to his wheelie chair, which clattered into the wall at every corner. Jessica, I'm the chief executive officer of a FTSE 100 company. This is not acceptable. Oh, relax, my dear. You'll be all right soon. She stopped the car and got out, heading into a beautiful modern building while Angus waited in the car. Bloody girlfriends, good for nothing. I've got to save the world. Don't she know that? He muttered to himself. A short while later, she returned with a man and a woman, wearing blue scrubs and warm smiles. They opened the boot to find Angus. I'm the head of Iron Pills, Inc. You can't do this to me. Of course you are, said the woman. Now let's get you inside. They lifted him out of the boot and wheeled him into the building. Above the door it said, Ironing things out. Saints of Supplement Saviour. I'm so sorry, I couldn't think of another way of getting him here. No problem whatsoever. To be honest, you've saved us a wheelchair, said the woman. Sarah Bogsworth will hear about this. I'm sure she will, said the woman. Jessica knelt down by Angus and looked him in the eyes. It's for your own good, my love. You may not have iron running through your body no more, but to me, you'll always have an iron heart. She kissed him on the forehead and headed off out of the building, leaving Angus to contemplate his fate. One Friday night, about a month later, Angus and Jessica were slumped on the sofa. Jessica had her legs up on Angus, all homely and comfy like couples do. Angus turned to Jessica and said, Jessica, my liege, I love you, I do. And to show my love, I'd like to go dancing. Jessica was shocked. Although she longed for them, she thought those days were a thing of the past. To a drum and bass show? Why, of course. What other music is worth listening to? And they both leapt up off the sofa and waved their gun fingers in the air. I love you, Angus. And I love you, Iron. Just kidding, I mean Jessica. The end. What... What a what a lovely uh, ending! I think I'm just I'm just getting all tingly just reading about that. Ah, oh, you know, you thought it'd fallen apart, but you know, they're back together again, and it's. I think they're happy again. So, well, this whoever wrote the Boondoggle books. He knows how to tug at your heartstrings. He can, he can do a lot of things. He can, he can get you all tense and scared, and angry. But then he can also make you, or not. I'm not crying, but he can make you feel warm, all warm and fuzzy inside. Well done, writer of the Boondoggle. I salute you, and hopefully, I'll be able to uh, find. Um, the next book um, in time for the next series of the podcast otherwise I don't know what I'm going to bloody do 
I'll be trying to make a podcast with no stories. That would be a nightmare. All right. Uh, oh, I'd say moral, moral. We've got, always got to do the moral of the story, haven't we? Um, at least have a go, even if there isn't one. Um, so the moral of this one is stop at nothing. Use deception to help people. Deception isn't too bad if the outcome is all right. There's a lot of conflicting morals within these boondoggle stories. Um, but, yeah, he they never claimed to be Aesop, did they? They never did. So it's just, it's kind of like uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare uh, gives a number of plays, and in Within's play, there's so many different um uh, different aspects of living and he's not shakespeare's not saying oh this is how you should live this is how you shouldn't live he said oh if you live like this it might end up like that and if you live like that it might end up like this and i guess that's what the writer of the boondoggle is doing he's simply presenting ways of living and showing what could happen if you abide by those ways of living I'm not saying that the writer of The Boondoggle is a modern-day Shakespeare. Even if I was, it wouldn't be arrogant because I didn't write them. Uh, I'm just saying they share some similarities. I guess it's time to say goodbye for the series now. And, um, you know, the usual. Subscribe on all your podcast formats. Uh, your Spotify's, your Castbox, that's my preferred one. Castbox, your Apple Pods. Um, we'll see. I, I'll probably get a proper Instagram for the podcast. But for now, just, you know, at me, at the Boondog on Insta. Um, maybe I'll get a Twitter. But at the moment, I try not to use it because it's just, you know, sad. Not sad for people that use it. Makes me sad. Anyway, that's not a good note to end on. You know, stay safe out there. You could be listening to this 20 years in the future where lockdown is a thing of the past and you'll just hear about it in history lessons. If you're, yeah, if you're listening, if you're listening to this during lockdown, I'm just, yeah, stay safe. I'm glad to hear I'm one of the methods you've chosen to distract yourself from, um, life and uh you know thanks for listening everybody this series and what's more you know yeah thanks for tuning in thanks for listening and thanks for the love thanks for the love thanks for the love thanks for the kisses thanks for listening to my podcast Thanks for everything, all your comments. Thank you to everybody who comments. What an outro. All right, um, I have been the Boondog and you have been listening.
concrete box. No escape, except for daily exercise. Knock, 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 someone's at the door. It's the postman, I shout at the postman Take two steps back and put the package on the floor Another parcel from Amazon Jeff Big business making profits from death Is there any justice? I shout to the sky but really it's the ceiling Cause I'm trapped inside Who ordered this? I scream at my family They cower in the corner What's not that done to me?